Hey there, welcome to the Cantori Show. Uh, starting things off with Jake Nager and the Moment of Truth. Thank you for the uh, the music, Jakey. And it's funny, Jake's a drummer, you know, he's a friend of mine here in San Diego. And uh, joining us today is a drummer. I know him as a drummer. He would say he's a singer, songwriter, and what have you. But uh, throughout the majority of my life, I've had a lot of friends uh, that are drummers from... Uh, Jake, who you hear in the background. Then I've got my friend Mike, who's joining us today. Then my friend Stefan, who is actually on the last show. This podcast is uh, becoming like this high school reunion. Probably because I didn't go to my 50th or uh, not 50th, Jesus. My, uh, what is it, the 20th or the 30th? Whatever was the last big milestone or reunion, I blew it off. This is my way of uh, attending my high school reunion. <laughs> but uh, Stefan, who's the uh, the original Karate Kid, as we referred to him in the last episode, he's a drummer. Then there's another dude we rolled with, uh, Glenn Sobel, who's the drummer for uh, for Alice Cooper. And uh, then I've got uh, my friend Dr. Stephen Ward who just passed uh, this past week. And I'm still processing it. Um, I used to call him the Rockadontist when I did my radio show on 91X, and he was a recurring character, if you will. But uh, outside of that, we were, we were homies. We were friends and, and dear friends. Especially now, as I hit you know 50 and middle age, my, my definition of a friend has, has changed dramatically over the years. And uh, he's a friend. He's somebody who was always there for me during the good times and the bad. He's somebody who was always pushing me to uh, do better and be better. I mentioned as I uh, paid tribute to him, on Facebook that he was kind of like the big brother I never had, uh, Dr. Ward, dentist here in San Diego who retired years ago, handful of years ago, uh, and he was living in Maui. In fact, uh, if you know anything about me and my love for Hawaii and the islands, it's all because of uh, Steve, Dr. Ward. He uh, he really sold the islands on me and, and really got me sold on the whole aloha thing. This dude lived with so much aloha, it was stupid. Generous man and uh, taken way, way too soon. And I'd like to dedicate this episode to him because uh, this, this episode to me is a lot, has a lot to do about friendship. And uh, I'm sure as as far as our guest is concerned, Mike or Michael Dubin and his producer, Gall Bushy, you know, for them, it's it's promoting this new song and they're excited to be working together. And, you know, they're they're doing music and got the song up on Spotify and Apple. And that's all awesome. But for me, it's more about, to tell you the truth, reconnecting with an old friend. And for years, I hadn't talked to to our next guest and, and as to why I, it doesn't matter. What matters is that we've picked up where we left off 
in such a beautiful organic way that I, I remember in, in one of our recent uh, conversations. Now, keep in mind, you know, we haven't talked in, you know, close to 20 years un- until recently within the last year or so. And in one of our recent conversations, we were talking about the pandemic and uh, our EDD cards, how we're both unemployed. And I mean, tears coming down my face. I was laughing so hard. And, and it was like we were in high school again. And all those years in between and all the weirdness in between, it didn't matter. And guess what? It doesn't matter. The past is such garbage. It doesn't matter. It's so important to live in the present and keep moving forward. And that's the theme of uh, this episode, movement. And you'll hear more on that in just a bit. First, I do want to thank our sponsors, uh, March and Ash. Very excited for the team. They've got a new location in City Heights, which is uh, just phenomenal. It's incredible. It really is. Probably the nicest, no joke, dispensary I've ever stepped foot in. And if you've been to their place in Mission Valley, their first signature location, uh, this is like that on on steroids. I mean, that's always the home shop for March and Ash, Mission Valley. But if you've been down there, it's it's crazy. It's packed. Just, it's nuts. And uh, this location, brand new. You get in, out, it's seamless and a beautiful process. That's March and Ash and City Heights. They also have locations in Vista up in North County here in San Diego. I mentioned uh, Mission Valley and out in Imperial if you find yourself heading east for any reason. But uh, they've got everything from THC to CBD products. Uh, I've been dealing with a lot of just recently just this carpal tunnel syndrome stuff. Oh, it's been nasty. This nerve pain. I'll tell you, it's like I'm getting electric, electric shocks through my hand some of the worst pain I've ever experienced. And every night I just lather my hand, like sticking it into a jar of Crisco. I just lather it in a CBD lotion and uh, just uh, pain relief. But I hear if you can get some uh, topicals with THC, they'll actually, it'll work better. But the stuff I'm using, I got at March and Ash and it's awesome CBD, but obviously they've got tons of THC products Again, check them out in City Heights or online at marchandash.com. I also want to welcome our friends at uh, Baja Bound Mexican Auto Insurance. They've got the new Baja Saver program out there, which is pretty awesome. BajaBound.com. And then Mariposa Ice Cream. Got to throw Anna and the crew some love. Uh, This pandemic has not been kind to small businesses, and I need to observe and uh, celebrate everything that is the best homemade ice cream on the planet, Mariposa, locations in Normal Heights up in Temecula. Go say hi to Anna and Tim. They're quality people. And I also have some new, I should mention, you, you, merchandise out there as well. If you want some awesome beanies, hats, bucket hats, uh, truckers, sweatshirts, T-shirts, Spicoli long sleeves, hit up you, Y-E-W, merch. Dot com. All right, let's talk to Michael Dubin about his new track, putting it out there for the first time today. It's like International New Music Day or something, but uh, we're celebrating Mike and his new music. I love the title, Love Shines. 
Please welcome Michael Dubin. What's up, Mike? Hey, Chris. Good to see you. Via the Zoom, buddy. Yeah, it's a Zoom world. It sure is. You're in um you're in Los Angeles right now with your with your producer and partner, Gal Bushy. What's up, Gal? How's it going? Thanks for having us. Oh, this is awesome, man. I'm sure you know, Gal, that uh, I've known Mike for eons. He was one of the first people I met when I first moved to California as a teenager. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we go back always. Yeah, we went to a high school together. And the thing that always intrigued me about Mike was uh, how friggin' creative he, he was and is. And uh, I, I've always been somebody that's been attracted to creatives. And, and when I first met Mike, I was just blown away by his talent and his abilities and, and the fact that he was from Chicago. You were an artist and I was a kid who, who liked making friends with artists. Yeah, we bonded over music, definitely. Yeah. A lot of Van Halen. And, yes, uh, sir. Your license plate was Russian U2. Oh, it my. was my friend. No, no. And, and the shows that we went to over the years, just uh, music was always the common bond and, and the circles that we ran in. But your music background goes way deeper as it relates to your time in Chicago. Can, can you tell me about that? Uh, yeah. Well, my grandfather was a very well-known drummer in Chicago, uh, a bit of a legend. And he bought uh, the already infamous frank's drum shop which was at that time the world's biggest drum shop and chicago was like the center of everything that was going on back then uh the jazz age you know the 20s and then into the 30s with prohibition and the gangsters running chicago and uh there was live entertainment all over the place and everybody came up from the south to chicago for jobs so you have louis armstrong there and um then all the blues musicians headed there all the best drummers were from chicago and your, it was your grandfather then? Yeah, my grandfather, uh, Maury LaShawn, he took over the shop from Frank Galt uh, in 1959. And a few years later, the Beatles hit, you know? And my grandfather was already a well-established drummer. Everybody knew him. So Damn. they would go to him as an elder, you know? And uh, he knew everything about percussion. You could get anything you wanted at that shop. And they had a teaching facility. And you have the world's greatest drummers uh, coming down there, like Buddy Rich wow. and uh, Louis Belson. Yeah. Later on, Weather Report with Alex Acuna, uh, Genesis, Phil and Chester were always at the shop when they were in town. Damn. Um, the Almond Brothers, the Dead. And then you have all the old time guys, you know. Um, and Roy Knapp was a legendary teacher there, and he was there uh, going way back to the teens. You know, this you're talking about people who played percussion in theaters when they had silent movies you know so yeah all the sound effects you know gunshots lion roars um you could get all that stuff plus the, you know the modern stuff too you know uh all the percussion when everybody started having percussionists in the band you know Frank sure. everything. so and they would get crates of cymbals you know shipped in so the volume of drum sets and cymbals that were going out the door after the beatles hit and ludwig was down the street so oh, wow um, you know, everybody wanted to be in a band at that point when they saw Ringo, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So anyways, and then my uncles were very involved too with, uh, rentals and recording and every end of the business. Um, you know, my family pretty much did it all 
And I grew up in that environment. So my mom would yeah. take me down on the weekends. That's so cool, man. So, and, and Chicago being obviously such a big, humongous city and destination for artists, it sounds like anytime a major artist was coming through Chicago, if they had any drum or percussion needs, they stopped by your grandpa's, your grandfather's shop, right? Yeah. Or, or my uncle would drop it off. Like I'd say 84, we went to the Rosemont horizon. My uncle and I to drop off a snare drum for Max Weinberg on the born in the USA tour. Damn. And then a year later, year and a half later, I moved to LA and I saw Springsteen here at the Coliseum. That's how long they were out on that tour. But yeah, we were always going backstage to drop something off. Sometimes some of the stuff they might have dropped off might have been, you know, <laughs> more than drums. Yeah, more than, more than drum equipment. I gave me one hell of a kick. Yeah. Hell yeah, buddy. Had to keep time. Had to keep that energy up. <laughs> so, uh, so at that time, were you training and learning how to play drums? Because I know that was a obviously a huge part of your life when we connected in California. But as it relates to your time in Chicago, how active were you in playing at that time as a kid? Very active. Um, my grandpa gave me a drum set at two years old. Uh, I started piano lessons at five. Uh, I had a bass in my hands, you know, same time. And then at, at 13, I started playing guitar. And that was just because uh, my uncle played. I really wanted to learn how to play guitar. And actually, guitar is my passion. Drums is, I say, kind of my spiritual path in life. Um, but uh, I had a band with a friend, a neighborhood friend of mine named Rick Ness. And his brother, Bob Ness, was like a legendary. He's a couple years older and he had bands and they played at our grammar school. And I saw them. We sat down on the gym floor and Bob's band played. And I was like, holy cow, I want <laughs> to do this, you know. So on top of listening to Cheap Trick Records and Kiss Records, you know, because school kids had those and you'd open it up and look at Ace Freely or Robin Zander and go, oh, my God, you know. So we had an awesome band. Uh a bunch of neighborhood guys, Steve Upling, Pete Monlock, um, another guy, I forget his name, Casey, someone, but Rick Ness was the main guy. And uh, we had bands from the time we were in like fifth grade to up until I moved till about 1984. And, uh, you know, we were, we were playing like the school dances and we played backyard parties. I remember one, we played two in one day. It was a summer party, two gigs. That was huge. That's a big deal back then. That's like <laughs> yeah. playing the US Festival. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it really was. Now, when you landed in Los Angeles, I, I know that you teamed up and you were taking lessons from a legendary drummer as well, correct? Like a guy who is just beyond renowned. Yeah. So I always took lessons. I had, I had a great teacher in Chicago named Phil Stanger, who was a legend in Chicago. And then I got out here and um, a guy named Steve Edelson, who was a well-known drummer and an artist relations guy, family friend who was like a, a, my grandpa was his mentor and he was living out here. And, um, and another guy, Jim Ganduglia, who was Johnny Mathis's drummer and then musical director. They said, Michael, you got to go take lessons with Freddie Gruber. Um, and so I didn't know Freddie and my grandpa didn't know him because Freddie was a New York guy, but right. Uh, right. Freddie was best friends with Buddy Rich. Whoa. I mean, really, really tight so like a like a younger brother and um it's kind of like you know it's sort of my version of the karate kid story you know so freddie was <laughs> like you know the master teacher you know and um so i met him at the pas show which was a percussive arts society 
in 85. And uh, he called me up. I thought he wanted to date my mom. That was a funny thing. So oh, that's hilarious. He kept calling. I'm like, what's with this Freddie? You know, so. But anyways, he goes, Michael, I want you to take lessons. And um, my mom took me to my first lesson. And with Freddie, you'd have to go shopping for him. You'd have to, like, stop at the, at the bakery or the deli and get his order and then bring it over, you know. <laughs> if you got it wrong, he wouldn't take you as a student, you know. That's So, a, so you, he used to have you run errands for him oh, on the yeah. way over? All of his students know this story. So, um, And then you'd have to wait, you know. You'd get there for the eight lesson and then take your lesson at, like, 11, you know, or midnight. So, but anyways, it was great to hang out with him because it's like an apprenticeship, you know. Of course, he was yeah. your Miyagi, as you said. Exactly. And uh, yeah, later on, Freddie went to teach uh, Neil Peart from Rush, and they became very close. And uh, Neil wrote his, um, you know, obituary, which was very. Oh, my God. I, I remember he was the hugest player. At, I just remember he was so renowned. And uh, you, it's funny you say about your mom dropping you off and having to wait, because I remember being, you know, so close to you in high school being at one of those drop-offs or pickups and waiting for you to get out of the house. Yeah. And as I was waiting for you, Greg Bissonette, the drummer for David Lee Roth, <laughs> walking out of the house. Oh, and I remember going, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm friends with a dude who takes lessons from a dude who works with Greg Bissonette, the dude under David Lee Roth. Right in the middle of the David Lee Roth thing. So that's so, and I just remember, you know, I know you won't talk about yourself this way, but I have no problem doing so. You know, here you're working with a dude really tight with Buddy Rich, rolling with all these legendary drummers. And as I remember it, and again, I know you won't refer to yourself. You, you were one of his star students. Yeah, well, with Freddie, I mean, for me, it's like... uh I just wanted to learn, you know, how to, how to play the drums. I had no aspirations of being like a famous drummer or, or getting gigs or any of that. I just wanted to learn. So yeah, that was my reason for being there. And I was a good student and I, and um, I was interested in the motion of playing the drums because Buddy Rich was all about motion right, and uh, movement. So, you know, I'd actually rather be playing guitar and, and doing that, but the drums has just sort of been, Maybe because my grandpa was so respected and so great, I wanted to sort of try to be get the approval, I think. You know what I mean? Sure. So Well, you accomplished that based on my recollection. There's no question. And wasn't your grandfather's shop also featured in the Blues Brothers, if memory serves? I was just telling Gal about that. Yeah. Yeah. They in the mall, it was a mock-up of the shop, uh, Frank's drum shop, and they crash into all the drums and then That's my, right. my uncle jumps behind the counter to get out of the way. That's too funny. Now, uh, you did take some time, and this will get us to where we are today, off from music, correct? Or I know it's always been a thread in what you do as it relates to, you know, martial arts, and we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But didn't you separate a little bit from recording and doing what you're doing right now with Gall? Well, there's been times of frustration, and then also just times where you need a break. And, um, you know, I'm... I'm 50. Okay. I just turned 50. So, um, I've always been recording. I've always been writing. I've always been playing. And every time I've gotten so fed up and gone, I'm just done with this. I I'm going to go do something else. So, um, I, they keep pulling me back in. Right. It's like, it's like it's me like with radio. radio. I get it. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I did take a break and I went into the martial arts, but it was through music. 
Um, I had a situation where I was a caretaker for a long time and I just got depleted and I needed to get some energy back. So uh, I tried some yoga for a while with our friend Stefan and Diana, Stefan Sirachi at Garden of Yoga. And that helped a little bit. And but I needed something a little bit um, for me, something a little more. And I was starting to look into martial arts and my girlfriend Lana and I were walking around uh, in the marina area and we just stumbled upon the Inasano Academy of Martial Arts. And they were playing drums there that day for one of the instructors conferences. And I was 42 years old and <clears throat> I was like, oh, my God, they're playing drums. And uh, I had been sort of researching martial arts because Buddy Rich was a black belt. And now I know why he did it for his health. You know, I didn't understand back then, but it's really a good, healthy oh, life. There's no question. It's something I dream of getting involved in. So, well, I can hook you up, but we'll talk. About yeah, I, I know, you know, a couple of people, so, but this studio kind of like your experience with the, uh, the aforementioned drum teacher, you, you, you happen to find yourself in places where you're working with some of the best of the best. Let's be honest. Yeah. So, well, my grandparents always would say, hang out with the strength. You know, meaning you just want to be around the best people, which uh, a little compliment today. I got Gal. He's amazing. And I got you, my old friend, you know, who's, who's, <laughs> you know, so that's what I'm talking about. You just want to be around people that inspire you. And I've just been lucky to be around the best people in the world. And Guru Dan Inosanto is a, a legend. And uh, he was Bruce Lee's training partner. But he's done so much stuff on his own with the Filipino martial arts and all sorts of martial arts. But he's also a drummer. So we kind of immediately bonded over music and I have a special relationship with Guru Dan uh, because of the drums, which all relates to my life path. Cause it, there were times where I'm like, why am I doing this? You know? And yeah. so that validated it for me. Um, so I became a student of his, I got my yellow belt. I remember, and I was on the mat just like in tears, just like, wow, feel accepted. You know, you <laughs> get a little emotional. Yeah. It's amazing. And you're in your forties at this point. Yeah. And you're, you're learning a new discipline. You're feeling the health benefits. And, you know, a lot of people don't accomplish and conquer new things, you know, later in, during later stages in life or midlife. So I, I get that. But uh, through the martial arts, it's been interesting because I don't know. Uh, I always wanted to play drums with Alex Acuna from Weather Report because he was doing clinics at the shop when I was a kid. I met him when I was eight years old. My uncle was friends with him. I didn't know him. But if you don't know who Alex is. Uh, he's played with everybody. He's, he's, you know, he's the guru Dan of what he does. In, in no question. Percussion. So um, this is a long story, but I, I'll just keep it brief. One of the guys who played drums at the Academy, Mike Tiratira, he asked me if I knew Alex and we have a drum set up at the Academy. And I said, I don't know him, but if he's playing around, we'll go find him and, and meet him, you know? So a month later uh, I saw in the paper that Alex was playing somewhere. So me and, Mike, who's one of Guru's old students, we went to go see Alex and we wound up talking to him and inviting him down to the academy. And he took us up on the offer and showed up. And I said, if you come down and you want to train, you be my training partner. And so he joined shortly after that at 68 years old. Damn. And, um, wow. and it's, I think we can safely say it's both, you know, it's given us both a new lease on life and music and it's, it's helped a lot. Um, so Alex is a great friend and an amazing drummer. And I've been very lucky to play with him and have a friendship with him. Um, but 
Now, another one, this is like three legends in a row, you know, Guru, Alex, but I always loved Andy Summers from the police. I had a poster on the wall. The police were a big band for me. Of course. There's just always been something about Andy. I, I don't know what it was, but. Because um, he was the guy behind the guy behind the guy. Yeah. He's a jazz guy. That's why, you know. Yeah. Um, he goes way back. But anyways, his son, Anton, who's a, taking drum lessons from me now, uh, he, I knew him when he was 15 because I taught at his school, the jazz band, with my buddy Shay Welsh, who's a great guitar player. Um, and so Anton wound up 15 years later being at, at the Inosano Academy. And I ran into him again. And he's like, hey, Mike. I was like, Anton, I haven't seen you. In, you know. <laughs> and uh, he was really nice. He goes, man, you were one of my favorite teachers. I was like, really? I, I, what did I do? <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> But anyways, uh, a few years after we reconnected at the Inosano Academy, he called me up and said, hey, my dad's going to call you and he wants to take drum lessons. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. So, I was, and I still have the message on my phone, you know, so when Andy called. But yeah, so Andy called and I was coming from a gig in San Diego. Actually, I was in this. <laughs> a Paul Lind tribute band. Remember Paul Lind from the Hollywood Wars? <laughs> yes. So with uh, Michael Arrington, this guy, he did a one man act, Paul Lind on the Hollywood Squares with the, it was insane. But we had a three piece band on stage and we did a gig in San Diego and I'm driving back to Venice to, to meet Andy for a drum lesson. And I'm freaking out because there's traffic and I'm running late. And, and sure. uh, I get to the intersection of Market Street and uh, in Venice you know, right where the sign is. And all of a sudden, every little thing she does is magic comes on the radio. And I was like, Oh my God. So these are the moments in my life that have just made me go, well, I guess I took the right path, you know? Yeah. So, or it's just the way the universe gives back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. And, and you work with him to this day, correct? Uh, he has, he's been out for a while. He's, he's always doing something new. So, but I did talk to him the other day and, and um, I'm, working with his son Anton now and hopefully we'll get back to working on some stuff and uh he was really nice he gave me a credit on his last album because I did some recording for him and helped him out with the drums and and then he wound up doing all the drums on the album and he actually took my tracks off which was actually kind of a compliment for me because as his teacher he was he was confident enough to use his own drum That's track awesome so that made me feel really good you know aside from I mean I don't care if I'm on the record or not you know yeah, oh. yeah, and, and so this is all based on your time. Well, you, so going back just a little bit, you you do your training. What what type of martial arts? What what is your your field, if you will, or area of martial? You know, because I know there's a million different areas of focus. Uh, yeah, so all Guru students are like Freddie Gruber students. Um, they all do different things, you know. So everyone sort of focuses on what they like. I like the Filipino martial arts, uh, Kali which is a lot of weaponry because um, it's like two big drumsticks, right? We use sticks, double sword, um, staff, daggers, and um, also yeah, empty hands as well. It's a complete system, um, and it's a lifetime of study. I mean, it's very interesting. Um, and also I do Bruce Lee's uh, Jun Fan Gung Fu and JKD. And a Silat class, which is like Southeast Asian uh, martial arts. And it's all military martial arts that they used uh, and still use in Southeast Asia. Um, 
It's this it's amazing, stuff. Mike. Just you know, as your friend, just that you know, these are two disciplines between drumming and martial arts where you've gone from complete student to teacher. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I uh I see the commonalities with it, and it's all movement based. Mm-hmm. And when I got with Freddie Gruber, he said, Michael, we're gonna work on hand motion. I was like, Oh, okay. And I realized what he was talking about was not, not jerking off. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was too easy. Yeah, I don't think we needed lessons for that. <laughs> Not at that age. So, um, we're all instructors, right? <laughs> so, Masters of our domains, <laughs> as they say. Okay. So, but you were incorporating during your initial training in martial arts. That was part of your way of giving back, though, was incorporating drumming, correct? Yeah, I figured when I got there, I was so grateful to be on this oasis you know, finally reached some dry land where I could get some healing that I would share my, my talents with my community and whatever guru Dan needed, if he needed something with the drums, um, even bringing Alex to the Academy was like, you know, how can we, how can we just get back? You know? So we would play for all the classes and as well as train and, uh, and jam with guru and jam with our friend, Joel Clark, who's uh, one of the, top people there he's they're very interested in the drums so we were just giving out you know drum lessons to whoever wanted to sort of learn you know and tap on the drums and and also just to get back with our energy and it was received very well and i had no idea how how it would it would um help me you know of course so i i didn't i didn't figure that out until i got there and then it was life-changing and how did you sync up with Gal Bushy, who uh, we introduced at the beginning and will take us to where you are today? How did you guys sync up? Um, well, I got this gig um, at a temple called Oratora. Uh, my friend Ari was a piano player there, and he invited me down to play one day. They needed a percussionist to play their Saturday morning service. And uh, so for me, a gig is a gig, right? You know, and of course. Uh, <clears throat> So I went down and it started off as kind of a light percussion gig and we would play the service and it was just me and Ari, Ari Selma, great piano player. And um, Gal was working sound. What initially kind of connected you guys in terms of working beyond the initial meeting? So I uh, originally I came up as a guitarist um, in the blues rock and roll realm and um, started really picking up the guitar seriously at around 10. Uh, I had a band. I I ended up at UCLA, met my first writing partner. We had a band. uh, And then over the course of recording that first album, I really fell in love with the engineering process and the production process. And it was all basically just our brainchild. So we were figuring it out as it went along with the engineer. That was a terrible experience, Mm -hmm. but it made me want to go back to school and study audio engineering and production. So I went to school, got out of school, worked at a couple studios, ended up doing sound at the temple. And then uh, almost three years ago, I found this place, Room 2 Studios. And uh, I was looking for a production mixing studio. Um, I wanted something where I could do drums and piano and like horns, but it, it just, I had to start on a practical level. So this place was perfect. I have the control room. I had the booth. Um, could do bass, guitars, single strings. Like I've had like some violinists and stuff, some horns, um, but vocals, 
uh, vocals, guitars, bass, um, percussion, anything that we could fit like up to three people into a, a really solid acoustic space. And I'm in the Glendale area. So for people that aren't really familiar with Los Angeles, flat and wide and Mike lives by the water. So it's a bit of a trek getting across. Yeah. Town. So, um, so just because of distance and logistics, we never really, we were never really able to lock it in. And then COVID happened and we were both very careful quarantining and, and we had a, a very small, very protective pod. And we decided that um, we would give it a shot. I got a Dyson air purifier at the studio and sanitize everything and <laughs> decided to, to just see if uh, one song would work. And we started working on Love Shines. And uh, I, I think the project just just it produced itself. I no, it's awesome. Yeah. It, it just happened. Um, killer song, great lyrics, super relatable to everyone that has even a minuscule of empathy. Um, uh, the lyrics were very touching and it, I think everyone can resonate with the message of the song. And then just the tracking itself. I mean, the drums are punchy. The, the guitars are like so massive in your face. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's it's everything a rock and roll a rock and roll record should be and uh, how cool I love I love that I was able to work on it. Um, yeah. Now, Mike, do you look at yourself as expand? Is it just the one track you guys did, or is this going to expand beyond? Because that's what we're going to share today. Is you guys are going to do an acoustic version and perform it live, and then we're going to direct people to Spotify where they can download it and hear the produced version, obviously. But where does it go from here, if you will? Um, well, yeah. Okay. So, so I've written a bunch of songs over the last few years. A lot of it just came out. I don't know where it came from, but it, it just a bit of a cathartic, cathartic, uh, process, but we have another song that's almost done. We just have to do one little guitar overdub, which is about eight bars. And then we're ready to mix and master the second track. Um, and then we have a couple videos in, in pre-production right now, music videos, which will have I mean, no one music. releases albums anymore. It's all about track by track anyway, right? Those game. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm kind of following Gal on this because um, uh, Gal's a little younger than me and he's got a great energy. And uh, he was kind enough to invite me over to his studio and say, bring a guitar, and, <laughs> you know? Um, and so, you know, the way that I've done things in the past is I don't, I don't want to say that there's new ways of doing things. And, and Gal's, got some experience and he's able to i'm learning from him you know i love that so uh and also i let him just you know i it's not that big of a deal for me to just you know surrender so because i've done things my way for a long time yeah, and we're I too wanna, old now man uh, we can't be stubborn at our age buddy exactly. but uh, i like that word surrender that yeah. that resonates with me a lot it's like a cheap trick reference <laughs> other than that. Well, and yeah, that's, that's in multiple ways. It resonates cheap trick, yeah. but otherwise surrendering yourself to life, to the creative process. Exactly. And, and as it relates to this song, Gal mentioned uh, how it really resonated with him. So Mike, what, what is it about this song? Tell us about it. Uh, well, I guess the song is sort of about uh, r recognizing the, you know, the love that's coming your way and accepting it. Um, and also, 
giving of yourself and just receiving in return, you know. Um, I think that's the overall message. And also there's some movement-based stuff in there that I referenced, dancing. But it also comes from martial arts and stuff and the beauty of movement. And I don't know, the lyrics, I'd have to have the lyric sheet in front of me. No, that, that, that hits me hard just just it, it seems you know the word movement has been obviously a common theme throughout this entire uh interview and it, it's just something that really hits me pretty hard based on the fact that you know i look at even as it relates to the pandemic there's so many people out there that are paralyzed in fear or paralyzed in lack of opportunity or uncertainty or pessimism or wherever the world may be going. And if I find myself scratching at those emotions or those places or find myself getting in an anxious or depressive state, the only thing that gets me out of it is movement. And I always say, you got to keep moving because if you don't keep moving, it just, if I sit too still, it's just a very unhealthy place for me. And yeah. then my mind will cannibalize itself in, in the whole bit. So for me, just the fact that movement has been a constant thread in the, in our discussion here, it means so much to me. And I don't, I don't, I don't look at it as a coincidence either, because I think that's so important for everybody listening right now to remember, keep moving forward. Yeah. You know, my brother BJ, who, you know, he, he gave me a book one time and I forget the, the, the name of the book but it was basically a story about an animal that had been hit by a car a, like a deer or something like that a large buck and uh what it did was after it got hit it was stunned and it got up and shook itself off vigorously and then ran off into the woods and i started thinking about my experience with martial arts like that you know whatever trauma i had experienced or emotional trauma or was having stuck just by the process of training and moving, I was able to shake loose all those uh, things through martial arts. And I could feel it in my body, you know, my hips would open up from kicking or like, you know, my shoulders would get loose from punching or doing the stick work. And after eight and a half years of that and stuff, I felt, I guess, you know, I had shaken loose whatever I needed to get rid of. And that's sort of all gone into this music, you know, like, uh, yeah. so... And you look great, man. You guys were promoting this appearance. And my sister who knew you, my little sister, Vicky, from when, you know, she was a bit, she's like, is that Mike Dubin? He looks like Joaquin Phoenix. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even understand the reference. I'm like, does he really look? I don't see it, but okay. All right. You thought you looked great. And uh, I'm so, I'm so glad we did this. And as I mentioned, you guys didn't hear, but I did a, a pre-recorded sign-on and you know there's so many times where i'll usually talk to commercial artists or people who have a long-standing history in the industry or with myself based on my radio experience but i appreciate this so much i, I won't say more but it's such a cool different experience for me even talking to and introducing people to new artists such as yourself mike and gall and what you guys are doing it just breaks the norm of what I usually do. So just, you know, learning about two people that no one really knows. I think that's a cool thing. And I, I encourage more of that when it comes to exposing new acts and new talent. Uh, we really appreciate it, Chris. Absolutely. And it's an honor to, 
to have you uh, have us on your show, man, because uh, I've respected you for a long time and what you've done with your career. And, and uh, it's definitely an honor to be on your show. Nah, so. This is the stuff I like doing more these days. So it's perfect timing for, for all of us. And that being said, you guys are going to do an acoustic version of the song now. Before we do that, uh, why don't you tell me where we can find the song? I mentioned Spotify, uh, the name of the project, just to reiterate it. And then Gal, where we can find you and your facility if people are looking to record or get stuff done and find themselves in L.A. Go ahead, Gal. Amazing. Yeah, so the, the, the title of the track is called Love Shines. It's going to be available on all major streaming services uh this friday friday yeah the fifth um we've been promoting it pretty heavily on spotify but it's going to be on apple music title um i'm pretty cool. sure the aggregator sent it to deezer as well so it should be um worldwide it'll be live for everyone to enjoy uh room two studios is located in atwater village california it's like a little suburb of la um and uh it's a fully functional uh hybrid mixing and production facility and uh for larger things uh i have friends with larger rooms we could always <laughs> i love it and and where can we find you online as far as your studio uh you can look up uh you can look up my handle on virtually any social uh okay. at that bushy sound or at room two stew with a number two okay bushy and i'll have all the links up there and as far as the project mike are we going as mike dubin or michael dubin yeah, Michael Dubin, and the track is Love Shines. And um, and I'm at Michael Dubin Music on Instagram. And uh, I think my Facebook is Michael Dubin. Thank you, gentlemen. Whenever you're ready, I'll turn it over to you. And then I'll close things out on this end when you're done. Chris, thanks so much, man. It's all, all right. right. Great. Rock and roll. Yeah. Fast, I can't see the lights that are 
Well done. Well done, gentlemen. And uh, thank you so much to, to Michael Dubin and to Gal Bushy for, uh, for coming on the show and playing for us today and the new single, Love Shines, everywhere you get your, your digital music. I'll tell you, I, I even went into the kitchen and because uh, my, my wife knows Mike. And I said, hey, check it out. Mike has a new song. And I said, hey, Siri, play Michael Dubin, Love Shines, and boom, fired up and played it right through the home pod. It was rad. Thank you for listening. Uh, I will say this much. Uh, I've got some really pretty incredible stuff on the horizon. Been working a lot behind the scenes on some new stuff that, that are attached to this podcast and beyond. Um, I'm being very ambiguous right now <laughs> for a reason, but... I've got uh, big things coming that I look forward to sharing with you. And uh, I'll be playing or performing actually this Sunday at the Comedy Store in La Jolla. My friend Vicky Barbalak asked me if I would come out, open the show, and do a couple of minutes. So that's this, um, that's this Sunday starting at 7.30, Comedy Store La Jolla, if you're in the area. Otherwise, I'll have more podcasts going up next week, okay? Be cool to one another. And uh, let love shine.